Am I on, David? Perfect. Well, good morning, everybody. And uh, Matt, thank you for that last song. That uh, really goes well with uh, kind of the the message or the theme that I have today. So thank you very much for that. And it's good to see everybody. Um, it's good to be here. It's a beautiful crisp morning. I think it's time to go to Florida. But Well, this morning, what I want to share with you is um, the title of the message is your identity in Christ. And I'm going to tell you a little bit of how I kind of came up with that or the, how that kind of happened. And the reason that um, I started looking into that is I was reading a book and that the title of the book was, was Living Fearless. And the main focus of the book is exchanging the lies of the world for the liberating truth of God. And as I was going through that book and I was reading the book and kind of researching that, I was, you know, I, I just had to ask myself, like, what does that mean to live fearless? Like, what does that mean for, for me, for Wayne, for every day in my life? And, you know, really for me that comes down to where is my identity and putting my identity in Jesus Christ. So I want to share a little bit of just my journey and what I've learned through that today with you. Um, the goal, and I have a couple things here I want to get into before we get into the scripture portion of it, but the goal is we want to get a better understanding who God sees us to be and who he's created us to be. Um, one of the things I'm going to suggest is that the most single important factor in your life is defining your future and the opportunities for your life or understanding and knowing whom God sees us to be and who he has made us to be. Fulfilling our purpose in life. What are we called? What's that purpose look like for each one of us through this life? And so I want to start with a question. Um, and that question is, how would, how would you respond to, how would each one of us respond to if somebody asks you, who are you? And I had to think, for those of us that, you know, it's getting colder when we go to Florida. Sarasota, Florida has a lot of people from all over. And I love talking to people. I, you know, there's a lot of older people there. And you go up to somebody and you start talking to them and they're like, who are you? Babishtia. And a lot of times, like, you know, I'll tell them, well, you know, I'm so-and-so, I'm Wayne Miller, my wife is Mary, whatever. And they're like, yeah, I don't know. But then if I back up and I'm like, you know, I'm Czech, Mosinoise, Raymond, Ivans, Wayne, and I give them my whole pedigree, they're like, oh, yeah, your grandpa worked at Highland Wood for whatever. Like, they put that identity to me because they now understand me. They know where I'm from. So, my question is, like, who are you? How do you define yourself? Is it by your pedigree? Is it by your gender? Um, by your race, your hair color? The region of the country you come from? By your profession? I'm a roofing contractor. Like, is that who you define yourself to be? Um, so it's, it's, not, it's not a trick question. Um, but everybody, everybody puts labels on everybody else these days. And, you know, just this morning, I put a label on somebody. I don't see him now. Oh, Mike. He's got the, the good mustache going on. And I'm like, I'm just going to start calling you mustache. Like, 
I put that identity on him as an individual. He's got the mustache. So we put labels on people these days. But what's the first answer that comes to your mind? And really the important thing is what's inside of you? What is your identity inside of you? Because what's inside of you and what you put into yourself, that's what's going to come out and that's who, what people are going to see. So that's the question. Who are you? Now here's the statement. Um, Jesus changes everything. No matter how you see yourself, no matter how you define yourself, once you make the commitment to become a Christ follower, Jesus changes everything. If you're a teacher, if you're a commercial roofing contractor, if you're a sheep farmer, no matter what you do, once you put your identity into Jesus, Jesus makes you better. Um, One of the greatest lies that is attached to the idea of Christianity is that if you become a Christ follower, that will, like, you have to give something up. Like, that will diminish you. Like, that's a lie from the enemy. Like, following Jesus Christ and having that as your identity will make everything better. It doesn't matter what it is. Um, you know, I, the one thing I had to think about is, like, how, do we, how does that look in our different parts of life? You know, we have our spiritual life, our church life, our family life, school, work, whatever that is. And how does that look? Like, how do we bring that out of, through us, in all areas of our life? Because I truly believe you, you, can't, you can't separate those things. Why would you separate them? Like, if you're living through Jesus, if Jesus Christ is living through you and he's glorifying you, you want to take that into all areas of your life and let that shine through you. Like, I don't want to be a different person at work that I am at home or, you know, try to wear these fake masks or false identities. That is not what Jesus called us to do. Um, you know, I get the whole idea you have to do time management and all that. I'm not saying you need to start having sermons at work, but let Jesus shine through you. So... I'm going to be reading out of Philippians chapter 3, um, starting in verse 4. So if you want to follow along, turn your copies of the scriptures to Philippians chapter 3. And we'll start with verse 4. The Apostle Paul is writing to a group of believers here. So starting in verse 4. Though I myself have a reason for confidence in the flesh also, if anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh... I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Jesus Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. 
that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but to press on to make it my own, because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, and si- brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind me and straining forward to what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. What Paul is saying is really that every aspect of his life gives him a platform that exceeds yours in relation to his Jewishness and his credentials. Um, you know, if we look at verse 4, he said, if, anything else, if anyone else thinks he has reason to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Verse 5, he says, I was circumcised on the eighth day. Also in verse 5, I'm the tribe of Benjamin, Hebrew of the Hebrews, in regard to the law. I'm a Pharisee, persecuting the church as for legalistic righteousness. In verse 6, he says, I was faultless. Like, that's a pretty confident for Paul to make. I was faultless. Um, He goes on to say in verse 7, But whatever was to my profit, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. Like, I was just trying to think, like, how does that, what was actually going through Paul's mind during that time? In verse 6, he says, I was faultless. And then in verse 7, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus. Um, in verse, verse 8, I consider them rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in him not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God. If we look at verses 9 through 11, um, Paul, he discovered what he wanted. Paul wants God's righteousness, not his own. And he refocused, and Christ became his solitary focus. Um, I would challenge you to look at all of us individually, you know, what, what we do as a profession or maybe some achievements that we've achieved in life. Like, what are the greatest achievements that you've achieved in your life? What do you think elevates you? Whatever you think is an asset to you, that is a defining characteristic. It, you know, again, it could be your wealth, your appearance, you dress the right way, you come from the right family, whatever that might be. Um, you know, you may think, I've led a pretty good life. I just had to ask myself, like, how often am I driving somewhere and I see a beggar beside the street and I just, you know, say to myself, oh, I'd never do that. I'm better than him. I would go find a job. Like whatever you think that is, I'm going to suggest to you that being in Christ and putting your identity in Christ, don't take those false identities, don't put those false labels on you, but get your identity from Jesus Christ. Um, think about it this way. So we all have technology. We do, even my truck does this, like these upgrades. 
software upgrades and resets. We want faster speed, more storage, whatever that is. Allow Jesus to do the upgrade to you. Just reset in him and allow him to be that upgrade. I'm going to look at 1 Corinthians. You don't have to necessarily turn to this. I'm just a few verses here. But 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 4. I thank my God always on your behalf for the grace of God which is given you by Jesus Christ. Through him, God has enriched your church in every way with all your eloquent words and all of your knowledge. Let's just stop at verse 5 there. Through him, God has enriched your church in every way with all your eloquent words and all of your knowledge. Every one of us has knowledge and strength. And through him, God has enriched your church in every way. Like, there's a lot of power in that. Even, verse 6, even as the testimony of Christ was confirmed in you, so that ye come behind in no gift, waiting for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Who shall also confirm you unto the end, that ye may be blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ? God is faithful, by whom ye were called unto the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Again, in verse 5 it says, We have been enriched in every way. Like, I just love those words. Like, the Bible doesn't say idle words, doesn't use idle words. Like, if we can just take that. Um, and again, that, like, I believe that means putting our identity in Jesus Christ and just allowing God to work through us in all areas of our life. Ephesians 1, verse 7 and 8, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavishes upon us in all wisdom and insight. You know, here's, this is, here's what I know. Um, I'm a human being. I'm a sinner. I've made mistakes. I will continue to make mistakes. And oh, by the way, the new pastor, if you put me way up here, like, put the bar down a little bit. Like, I'm nobody perfect here. Anyway. Um, but, like, as long as we're on this earth and as long as I'm in this human flesh, I will continue to make mistakes. So either I have to pay my own way or I'm going to have to find a way to be forgiven. And God is a just God and he's not going to grade it against the curve. He's not going to say, oh, well, you were at the right church. You gave away enough money. You did this, you did that. He's not going to say you were related to so-and-so. There's a cost for ungodliness, and either I'm going to have to be forgiven or I'm going to have to pay my own freight. So think about it this way. Um, we all have trash from our daily life, like garbage. If we pile the garbage on a pile and we don't take it out in the dumpster or however we dispose that. If we, don't, if we don't take care of that, eventually we're going to get rats that are just going to 
go into that trash pile. If we take one bag at a time and we dispose it, what happens? We're going to continue to, rats are going to continue to come in. The trash pile we have in our life, like the mistakes we make, the things that happen, are we taking that away one piece at a time or are we giving the trash pile to Jesus Christ and just letting him take care of it? The question comes down to, am I going to carry this myself or bring it to the foot of the cross? God speaks to you in your true identity. Stop coming to him in a false identity. He is not talking to a false you. He is always communicating to the unique, worthy, and loved true you. Can you hear him? Philippians chapter 4, verse 13. Pretty familiar verse. I can do everything through him who gives me strength. Where do I get the strength from the real challenges of life? In conclusion, the ground at the foot of the cross is a leveled ground. It's there for all of us. You don't have to have a higher education. You don't have to be a millionaire. You don't have to have all the fancy things. You don't have to come from the certain family. It's, it's a level ground for all of us. And in Christ, we have a future that is underwritten, that is supported by the power of the creator of heaven and earth. That is the greatest invitation that writes a future for you that exceeds anything we could ever imagine of doing on our own. So how do we, how do, we do this on a day-to-day basis? What does this mean for me? What does this mean for all of us on a daily basis, on a weekly basis? A couple thoughts that I had is um, we know that The relationships we prioritize time and invest in will become the deepest relationships we have as individual people. So how does that look like for all of us to invest that time and prioritize that time with Jesus Christ? Um, I just had a recent conversation with an individual, and he said the way he connects and the best way that works for him is through a pen and paper, taking the quiet time and just writing out. He said he can pray through a pen and paper, he can worship through a pen and paper, he can put his, you know, his negative thoughts through a pen and paper. That's what connects him. Um, again, consistently having time for you and Jesus. Um, that can be journaling, prayer. It can be early in the morning with a fire and a cup of coffee. Connecting with other believers. I think this is, like, this is very important. Um, connecting with other believers. Spending time in the Word and listening. Spending time in worship. Or it might just be... I know one thing for me is just the... You know, with what I do, I'm on the road a lot. But when we're on the road, this is just sharing from my perspective. Am I tuning into a podcast, some kind of video, turning the radio on, or am I just allowing it to be quiet and connecting with God through that time?
So in, just in closing, God doesn't want to remove the fears and the false identity. He wants to transform it. How are we going to let him transform it? With that, Chris, I'll turn it over to you.